Father, we just thank you, Father, for this evening. Good morning, Father, once again, this time that you've given to us, that we'd come together and study your word, meditate upon your word, think about things of of eternal value. For you said in your word, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And you said, Lord, if any man does not lose his life, for my sake, he will not find it. But whoever loses his life, his soul, for my sake, will find it. And therefore, this morning, I pray, Father, that we will surrender ourselves in our wills, in our minds, and even in our emotions. And Lord, we will, you will grant us a grace to give you undivided attention that we will be able to tune in to the voice of the Spirit to say, to, to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say in this last hour of time. To that end, I pray that you would bless the speaking and the hearing of this word. Anoint all of us and bless us during this time. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so let's turn to Micah chapter 6 and let's read from verse um, 1 to 6 to 8. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? That's what we've been studying as to what it means to love mercy. And uh, we understood, at, at least from the, yesterday's uh, study, that mercy and truth go hand in hand. If you look at Psalm 25 and verse 10, something very interesting is mentioned. Mercy and truth together. It says, 25 verse 10, The paths of the Lord, you see that? The paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Both. So, the way God works There is both mercy and truth. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So therefore there's a path of the Lord, which is mercy and truth. And that has to be kept in absolute balance. To such as keep his covenant. You see that? All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. To whom? To such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Okay, so God made a new covenant with us. In the new covenant, we don't have the law outside. We have the law written in our hearts and in our minds. It is the law who causes, Lord who causes us to walk in his ways. And if he's causing us to walk in his ways, one of, one of the salient features, if you will, of walking in that path that the law has shown is that we will be walking both in mercy and in truth. We will never compromise on the truth, but we will also uh, continuously keep showing Mercy. And that is what it says. Uh, All the paths of the Lord are mercy. All. All the paths. Every path. Even when he is severely judging people. It is in mercy he is doing it. Okay. So, it's very difficult for us to wrap our minds around such uh, um, truths. But that is a fact. Okay. Mercy and truth. 
It says, with mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. It's by mercy and truth. Okay. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. 16.6, Proverbs 16.6, if you can turn with me to Proverbs 16.6, it says, uh, atonement, if, you, if I'm right, is or yeah, in mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and for the fear, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Understand that? So when we're studying about mercy, you need to understand mercy and truth are together. That's what it says. Mercy and truth met each other. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other, and that's exactly what happened on the cross. Therefore, never try to, uh, they're not mutually exclusive, they are together. They're twins. Okay, they're two sides of the same coin, if you will. You can use so many adjectives to uh, drive home this point. So, it's mercy is not independent of truth and truth cannot be independent of mercy. So, if you love without truth, you're not loving. If you speak the truth without love, you're not truthing. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, so this is important for us to understand that, okay. So, another place you can see, uh, we'll just look at that, looked at that yesterday, uh, yesterday as well. Uh, 2028 of Proverbs, 2028 of Proverbs, this is what it says, mercy and truth, preserve, okay. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, mercy and truth preserve the king. We are preserved and therefore we are kept by both mercy and truth. Okay, if it's only mercy, then we will compromise. If there's only truth, we'll get destroyed. We'll not be able to handle it. But it's because mercy, therefore he says, come boldly and confidently to the throne of grace to obtain mercy first and grace so that we can say no <laughs> to sin, both is important. Alright? So another, another, uh, one verse which we'll, uh, which we'll, uh, we'll look at and, uh, um, we'll jump into today's, uh, study. It says again in Proverbs chapter 14 verse 22. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 22. <clears throat> Do they not go astray who devise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. I love that. Whatever you do, which is good. The ingredients have to be what? Mercy and truth. Okay. So if you are making, let's say, some stew, hmm, what should be the ingredients? Mercy and truth. That's the reason why it says, show hospitality without grumbling. <laughs> and those who speak the oracle, uh, speak, let them speak the oracles of, uh, as the oracles of God. So that in all things, who gets the glory? God gets the glory and he will get the glory only when things are done in his ways. And it says all the ways of the Lord are mercy and truth. Understand that? Alright? So today, uh, we'll, uh, uh, and we understood a few dimensions of God's mercy from our very famous, the great hallelujah. Psalm, hallel, the great hallel is great hallelujah. Psalm is Psalm 136, the psalm which was, uh, sung, uh, during the dedication of, uh, the temple and the so song which was sung during Jehoshaphat's, um, uh, war against Moab and all those gangs who came and they just had to sing the song. It's a battle song, the song of praise. And one refrain is what? His mercy endures forever. His mercy is forever. Everything okay? 
<clears throat> so let's go uh, go to that Psalm, Psalm 136. Let's read from verses 1 to um, 12. Sorry, 1 to 15, 1 to 15. And it says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. We looked at that yesterday. What does it mean to be good? Why his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endures forever. And then uh, verse 4. To him alone who does great wonders for his mercy endures forever. And what is the great wonder? The miracle of new births. The miracle of new birth is a great wonder. Okay. That's the reason why he's called what? His name is what? Wonderful. Okay. He's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. Everlasting Father. Okay. So, to him alone who does great wonders for his mercy and yours forever. And we looked at these four dimensions uh, last uh, yesterday in the last uh, session. Uh, that he is good. That he is the God of all gods. That he is the Lord of all lords and that he alone does great wonders. And we all are a great wonder. And why have we been given a new birth is simply because of his great mercy. First Peter chapter 1, we will turn there. First Peter chapter 1 verses 3 onwards. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3 onwards. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy. Can you put it in the ESV? It's, it's even more beautiful in the ESV. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy. What did he do? He caused us to be born again. That's beautiful, right? It was the mercy of God which caused us to be born again. Is it? Is anything too difficult for God? Is what um, uh, Jesus tells Sarah. That's exactly where the word great wonder comes from. Is it? Is anything too great? Is too great a wonder for God? No. By this time, next year, I will visit you and Sarah will have a son. And that's exactly what God had done to all of us. In his time, he visited us. Even though we were chosen, before the foundation of the world was laid, he chose us. Exactly, right? That's what Paul says in Galatians. He says, he set me apart from my mother's womb and in due time, he made his son known in me, to me. Alright, he uh, caused new birth. Therefore, according to his great mercy, what did he do? He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's a tremendous wonder. The resurrection of Jesus okay, is the singular fact, fact in history which cannot be the indisputable singular fact in history which cannot be debunked. The empty tomb proves it. And that is what separates every other worldview from the Christian worldview. Even till today, in the morning, we had a tremendous... You, did you see the chat, uh, the live chat between uh, David Wood and Jay Smith? Boy, <laughs> boy, it's firecrackers only, okay? A lot of firecrackers was going on over there. So it's a, it's a fact. So it, so many people, what, what do they want to say? They want to debunk the resurrection. But that's the one singular fact in history. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that's the reason why it says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh and then justified in the spirit. Okay. Jesus Christ was made, was born of the, born of the seed of David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God with power through, by, according to the spirit of holiness. Because his 
spirit was absolutely holy and therefore the Holy Spirit himself, you know, rose him from the dead. According to the spirit of holiness through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He was declared to be the son of God with power. That was a great wonder. And because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we are also what given what new birth. And that is an act of what great mercy, the mercy of God which endures forever. And therefore, his keeping power also is great. That is the reason why Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22, don't have to turn there. It says his mercies are new every morning. Mercies are new every morning. Okay, so that was the four things that we looked at. And today we will continue in our study. We will look at the fifth dimension of God's mercy. To him that by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endures forever. Beautiful, now. Huh? I was looking, I was trying to meditate upon this in the morning. I was saying, God, it says, actually the word for wisdom is not, uh, the two words uh, for wisdom, actually it's uh, hakoma, which means wisdom. It's not, that is not the wisdom over here. The word wisdom is actually rendered as understanding. Okay, it is by understanding God made the heavens. Let, let us, let us uh, try to um, understand what this means and how the, uh, that applies to our lives. How can we uh, apply this truth that the God who made the heavens, how is it relevant to us, uh, in, uh, 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 of us, uh, to us who are walking in the new covenant? Okay. God by understanding made the heavens. And this is an act of mercy. Is a question mark. <laughs> right? That's what he says. He, he by understanding established the heavens for his mercy endures forever. That the creation of heavens, of the heavens, by his understanding is an act of God's mercy. Okay. The word for mercy or for, the, for wisdom is also rendered as intelligence. Okay. Intelligence. Alright. Um. So there was a famous uh, debate between the evolutionist and the and the and the creationist, right? Um, you see, um, why do you say that monkeys and uh, and uh, and um, uh, humans have a common ancestor? Because uh, look at the way they are uh, so similar. That's what the evolutionist will say. You know what? The evolutionist will say they have a common ancestor, but the creationist will say they have a common designer. It's intelligent design. Okay. They have a common designer. By intelligence he made the heavens. The fine tuning of the universe. That everything is so perfectly placed in balance that the entire earth is absolutely suspended in the vastness of heavens. As if all of the heavens exist to ensure the sustenance of life on earth. I mean, just imagine if you take away one planet, what will happen? I mean, there's going to be a, um, the Chinese are doing something very interesting. Okay. They, they've actually constructed one of the most, I think the world's largest dam in China. I don't I forget the name of the place. And somebody was saying that's, that's such a huge dam. And you know that whenever you have a, uh, hydroelectric project, one of the dangers is what? Increased amount of seismic activity or seismic activity that becomes an earthquake prone area. And they say that the pressure of the water in the Chinese dam is so huge that it, some of them say that it actually increased the rotation of the earth by a few seconds, few milliseconds, the spin. Okay. 
dangerous. But look at this. He says the whole universe, if you look at the entire universe, it's so fine-tuned that if you actually change one parameter in one constant by a small, uh, what do you say, hundredth of a, what do you say, of a fraction, the whole thing goes for a kaput. It's so absolutely fine-tuned. That you have constants. Planck's constant and this constant and that's that those constants. What? Why are these constants there? Simply because. Why are we able to send uh, international space stations, etc.? Because there is one law. The law of gravitation which was given to us by the great man. What's his name? Isaac Newton. Are we back, Sami? Kya baat Praise God. Internet is back. Should I give you a couple of minutes or should I continue? Okay, continue. So, the whole universe is fine-tuned. Um, the, remember, in physics we studied that, right? The gravitational attraction between two bodies. Okay. And then uh, two magnetic elements. And then you have two electrical charges. All have a same kind of an equation. Why? <laughs> One by four pi epsilon naught. Q1, Q2 by R square. Okay. G is equal to what? Whatever. Force of attraction. F is equal to capital G, M1, M2 by R square. Everything is like, you see the, 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 the entire fine tuning of the universe and everything in the universe exists so that it wants to, I mean, it, as, as if it has to sustain life on Earth. That's exactly what one of the astronauts who went into the International Space Station says. You know what he says? He looks at the Earth, the blue blob in the midst of this vastness of space. And he says, you know what? It's suspended nowhere, absolutely in the midst of death. There no other no other place on the universe can sustain life. Except on earth. Okay. So the entire earth is absolutely suspended in the vastness of the heavens. As if all of the heavens exist to ensure the sustenance of life on earth. That all the parameters are, of the universe are so fine-tuned to ensure that the life on earth continues. And that is the reason why in Romans chapter 1 verse 18. You know what Paul says? <laughs> Look at what he says. It's powerful. Onwards, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress or who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is made manifest to them, for God has shown it to them. Verse 20, for the invisibles, for since the creation of the, of the world, from, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. I like that word. Clearly. Spashed. Ekdam spashed hai. Koi sandeh nahi hai. Okay. Clearly seeing, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead or divine nature, it says in ESV, so that they are without excuse. The creation, though, that's what it says, right? If you turn with me to uh, Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 19, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, etc. <laughs> Look at what it says. The heavens, what do they do? Declare the glory of God. And once they declare the glory of God, it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day. I mean every day you get up. What is it doing? It's speaking. Can you imagine? Things just go on and on. Our entire life is dependent upon one thing. That the earth revolves around its axis in 24 hours. And around the sun in 365, one fourth day. This is a given and it's not going to change. And we take that for granted. I mean, uh, Abigail is studying science now. I just, sometimes I just look at her. Papa, Papa, you know, Neptune takes 165 years to go around the sun. Oh. <laughs> and Saturn takes 10 and a half hours to rotate around its axis, whereas Earth takes 24 hours. Look at the fine tuning of the universe. Okay. Super. The lunar calendar. Everything is so absolutely day unto day. Utter speech. In other words, you don't need a preacher. You see creation, that's enough. And night unto night, what does it do? It reveals knowledge. You see the stars, right? You see Saptarshimandal. All the stars, all the galaxies. Have they changed their position, Dr. Richard? Since you've seen, last, seen them last time? <laughs> okay. They haven't changed. Everything is the same. Pointing us to the creator. Day unto day utters speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. And then goes on. Verse 3. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You know what? Is Actually, Paul's, Paul uses this and says, the entire creation is actually preaching the gospel. Strange, isn't it? Look, 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 turn to Romans chapter 10. I'm going to prove this to you from scripture. Romans chapter 10. And verse. Verse 17. Sorry. Uh, verse 15 onwards. Let's read from Romans chapter 10 verse 15 onwards. How shall they preach unless they are sent? Okay. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Who bring glad tidings of good things. Okay. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And verse 18, but I say, have they not heard? Question mark. Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. You know what? Even the creation is actually preaching the gospel. And it says in Romans chapter 8, the entire creation is groaning together with the pangs of childbirth even until now. And we also who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly. Okay. For the redemption of our bodies, the inheritance to show, so that we might obtain the inheritance, the redemption of our bodies. Okay. And the entire creation is groaning together for pains of childbirth, with pains of childbirth to see the who the sons of God are. Why? God has subjected the creation to futility. Not willingly. But in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain to the glory of the freedom of the children of God. What? Those are statements which are remarkable. We'll not uh, study today. But, but understand, the whole of creation is speaking. The heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God. And, and the firmamented space. Let's go back to uh, Psalm 19 and let's look at those four, four, verses 3 and 4. 3 and 4. It says, 
There, there's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out all uh, through all the earth and bear words to the end of this world, end of the world. In them, he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of the chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. So the creation is speaking. Creation itself is enough to condemn people to eternity without God if they have not repented. Alright? So, how do we apply this in our lives is a question. The same God who with understanding established the heavens, you know what he does? Turn with me to Exodus chapter 31. Verse 1 onwards. 1 to 3 is enough. Okay. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Okay. See, I have called Bezalel or Bezalel, the son of Uri or Uri, the son of Hur. Okay, Bezalel is the son of ultimately, it's the grandson of Hur. Who is Hur? Anybody knows who, who this Hur is? Don't say Ben Hur. Come on. No brainer this. Aaron and her. Thank you. Yeah. So you have this her. He had a grandson called Bezalel. Of the tribe of Judah. Okay. And I filled him with the spirit of God. In wisdom. And in understanding. In knowledge. And in all manner of workmanship. So the God who created the heavens with his understanding. Pours out the spirit of understanding. In this guy called Bezalel, so that he can make the what? The tabernacle. He has set a tabernacle in the heavens. And the same God who created the entire universe through understanding, he pours out his spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding into a human being so that he can make a sanctuary where he could come and dwell among his people. Another place. Hmm. Uh, 35, Exodus. Again, same thing. It says, um, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, 35 was 30 onwards. 30, sorry, 35 was 30 onwards. And the, and the, and Moses said to the children of Israel, see the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of God. He has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and all manner of workmanship. Now think about that statement, isn't it? For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So how do we uh, apply this in the new covenant terms? Turn to... Okay, before we uh, go to uh, the new covenant, Exodus chapter 36, just to establish the whole thing, okay? Verse 1 onwards. Again. And Bezalel and Aholiab, and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put what? Wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. The same God who created the, the heavens with understanding, he pours out his wisdom into a bunch of guys over here so that they can make the sanctuary 
according to the pattern that the Lord had shown them. Now, look at this in the new covenant, how this applies in the new covenant. First Corinthians now, chapter 3, verse 9 onwards, 9 to 10. Not 9 and 10 is enough. For we are God's what? Fellow workers. I love that. We are co-workers with God. Shucks, man. That's interesting, isn't it? That God calls us what? He's my colleague. He doesn't say he's my subordinate. No. You're my colleague. That is what we call as humility. When did you see a, say a manager calling you colleague? Raj? Last time? Any? No. No, akkada, ne nikkada. Ante. Our distance ala maintain jayadho mano. We maintain the distance. <laughs> okay. You're there, I'm here. We don't, we don't, we are not at the same level. He says, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. But look at verse 10. Verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Boy, you think, you think this is, this is ordinary. Look at what Peter has to say about Paul in second, second Timothy, Peter chapter 3, verses 16 onwards. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 onwards. As, okay, verse 15, verse 15, verse 15. Okay. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation as also our beloved brother Paul. Look at this. According to the wisdom given to him has written to you and as also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand. But he was given the spirit of wisdom and understanding which untaught and unstable people twist their own to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, Paul's epistles are scriptures. (laughs) As a wise master builder, he laid the foundation. That is the reason why he says the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner stone. So that we can all become a spiritual house. We can all offer a spiritual sacrifice. And therefore the same God we has, who has created the heavens and who has granted us new birth. That was a great wonder he did in, the, in verse 4, right? Who has granted us new birth according to his mercy has also granted us what? The apostolic teaching and the prophetic correction so that we can be built up into a spiritual house. So that, why? Heavens are his throne. Earth is his footstool. And therefore, he's also making us into a dwelling place. He can dwell right. So that we can offer praises and we can create, or rather we can we can create? Or what does it say? You are enthroned in the praises of his people, right? So that we can also have a a, 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 a throne where he can come and stay. A dwelling place for God in the spirit. He's given us that. Why? Because his mercy Endures forever. You see? Turn with me to first, first Timothy, first Corinthians. I love this verse in first Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three. Same, James. I just forgot to put that there. First Corinthians chapter three and verse number, uh, twenty and, tw- sorry, twenty-one to twenty-three. 
21 to 23. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 21 to 23. Therefore, let no one boast in men. Let no one boast in men. For all things are yours. Now think about this. Who are, what are all things? Money. Resources. No, 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 no. Whether? Paul. <laughs> Paul says, I am a thing, Baba, for you. Who are these people? These are wise master builders. Paul or Apollos or Cephas or world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours. You are Christ and Christ is God's. We are all together making a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Okay. And this is an act of mercy that God gives us gifts like Paul. And Paul himself says, I was called to be what? A master builder. How did I become uh, become a master builder? Look at what it says in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 to 16. That's it. That's enough. 12 to 16. Look at this. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Everybody look at this. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy. (laughs) It was the mercy of God that God gave us Paul. And through Paul, all the epistles. Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And then verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 and 16. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, what? I obtain mercy. Twice he says that in me. First, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Okay. So, same God who stretched the heavens is also building a temple. The same God who poured the, who stretched this, stretched the heavens by his understanding also give the spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding to Bethsalel so that he can make a sanctuary for the same God to dwell among his people. And the same God who did that in the old covenant also did the same thing in the new covenant in, uh, in, in through the lives of the apostles so that he could also through the teaching of the apostles and the prophets build a spiritual house where he could come and dwell after giving us new birth. Coming to him as living stones. We are also being built up into a spiritual house, it says in First Peter chapter 2. So that we can become a spiritual house, so that we can offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that, everybody? And all this because His mercy endures forever. It is the mercy of God that you have teachers, that we have teachers in our lives. Two will go at lengths, notwithstanding all kinds of opposition who will, you know, consistently, constantly keep on teaching, 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 teaching and teaching so that you can be built up. Okay. Understand that everybody? Okay, this is important. Okay. But uh, 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 unfortunately, why are we doing this? Because the time is going to come where people will not be able to endure what? Sound teaching, sound doctrine. For all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, for correction, for instruction and righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped. 
thoroughly equipped and be prepared and be complete for all good works. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For that life, that good works to become life, we need a bunch of guys who will be able to constantly give you and provide you teaching with the wisdom that God has uh, given us and understanding that God has given us so that you will be strengthened and will be built up. Understand that everybody? So that, and it's an act of mercy. Let's go to the next dimension. Let's go to verse 6 of uh, uh, Psalm 136. Everybody? To him alone who does great wonders. Sorry, verse 6. To him who laid out the earth. Laid out, I like that. Who laid out the earth above the waters for his mercy endures forever. Again, another picture. You want to see this? A picture of new birth again. If you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 42, verses 5 onwards. 5 to 9 is good. 5 to 9. Yeah. Thus says the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the what? The earth and that which comes from it, who gives what? Breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I like that. Isn't it? So that, verse 6, I the Lord have called you in righteousness and I will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Who's this Baba? Where do you find this verse again in the entire Bible? If you just look at the construction over there. You see, that is Dr. Luke, Acts 26, 18. <laughs> Acts 26, 18. What does it say? To open their eyes. No, actually, verse 17 and 18. You can put that together. 17 and 18 is good. Hmm? I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I am going to send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the, to the power of God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are being sanctified by faith in me. What is it? What does it mean? What does it mean? The God who gave you new birth. The God who established you with teaching. Now what is he going to do? He's going to equip you and send you to others. And this is an act of mercy. <laughs> you see, let me tell you something. God is not just going to pour out all his resources so that you will just be fattened and do nothing in the kingdom. No, 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 no. Either you are being sent or you are sending, else you are compromised. What did I say? Either you are sent, you, you, you never went, okay? You are sent. Hmm? Either you are sent or you are in the process of sending or you are compromised. The entire church should be a sending church. Church, which is sending people. If you want to turn this, turn to, uh, uh, sorry, Isaiah chapter 42, verses 5 to 9 in the uh, MSG. is interesting. <laughs> MSG is good. Look at what he says. 
God's message. The God who created the cosmos, stretched out the skies, laid out the earth and all that grows from it. Who breathes life into earth's people, makes them alive with his own life. That's exactly what he did in John's gospel chapter 20, verse 21 and 22. He said, peace be unto you. And then he, what did he do? He breathed upon them the Holy Spirit. Exactly the same picture. You can see these pictures coming over and over and over again. Anyway, let's let's move on. I am God. I have called you to live right and well. I have taken respons- I have taken responsibility for you, kept you safe. I have set you among my people to bl- to bind them to me and provided you as a lighthouse to the nations. And then to make a start at bringing people into the open into light, opening blind eyes, reasoning, uh, releasing prisoners from dungeons is exactly what Paul and Silas did. Reasoning prisoners, prisoners from dungeons, emptying the dark prisons. That's exactly what he did. He released the prisons and he emptied the entire prison. It's inter- interesting. All their chains fell off and that fellow wanted to kill him. He said, you know what? We are all here. Don't kill yourself. That means everybody's life was changed that day. One man obtains mercy and he becomes a channel of mercy for other, for the rest of the gang. That's exactly what happened with David Wood, no? How did David Wood get converted? I mean, boss, he says that he, he got converted by this Christian in, uh, his, in prison. Okay. And why did that fellow end up into prison? That fellow used to be a thief and one day God met him and uh, he got converted. And he has to make restitution now. Now he can't make restitution. Either he has to go to prison or he has to make restitution. So he goes to prison and he goes to the police and he says, you know what, I did all this, put me in prison. So he puts him in prison where where, where David Wood is <laughs> and he gives him the gospel. He gets converted and then Nabil comes to the Lord and the rest is history. Now he is in every Muslim's head. They can't just get rid of him. <laughs> you should see his arguments. I'm telling you, I, I, I don't know why I like him so much. No, his, his arguments are just unbelievable. You cannot refute them. So what do what do the people call him? He's a liar, Islamophobe, thief, psychopath. All those statements. Okay, okay, I'm. Please refute my arguments. Nobody can refute any of his arguments. <laughs> arguments are what we call as airtight. And now they have bombarded the Islamic, uh, uh, what do you say, apologist, apologist empire with such fearsome truth. You know what is happening? The cracks are now opening up. They are coming out of the open now. Oh, the Quran was perfectly preserved. That's what they thought. That's that's what every Muslim is taught. You know what they are taught? The Quran is perfectly preserved. It is the eternal word of Allah. Word for word, dot for dot, nothing has been unchanged. Everything is perfectly preserved. They have found 36 variants of the Quran with 95,000 variations among Qurans. There goes your doctrine of perfect preservation out of the window. What has happened now? All these Islamic apologists know they're doing copyright claims on David Wood's channel. <laughs> Trying to silence him. Good days to be in Islamic apologists. Because I'll tell you something, that is one doctrine which is demonic. 
This is demonic. You teach them over and over and over and over the same truth. They will, they cannot, they cannot come to terms with it and they are so absolutely blinded by the, by, by, by uh, lies. And what do they say? Oh, Islamophobe, liar. Kafir. CIST. Stooge. Zionist. <laughs> you should see the kind of stupid adjectives they throw at the Islamic apologists now, the Christian missionaries, if you will. But they cannot come to terms with the, with the, with the truth in their own resources. Unbelievable. Well, if, well, God's message to make us so emptying the dark prisons and you should see the way <laughs> prisons are being emptied these days and go on verse 8 and 9 I am God that's my name I don't franchise my glory I don't endorse the no God idols take note the earlier predictions of judgment have been fulfilled I am announcing the new salvation work before it bursts out on the scene I am telling you about it and it bursts out into the scene the moment Jesus entered into the scene. It bursts out. Okay. And once Jesus died, Jesus rose again and he birthed a set of disciples and then he filled them with the spirit. They all were martyred. And who dies for a lie? Willingly. Who Puts himself in harm's way for a lie. And all twelve apostles, except John, of course, persecuted, locked, stock and barrel, and martyred. The church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. For his mercy and yours forever. Okay, let's go to the next dimension now. Let's go back to Psalm 136. Look at the spiritual truths in these, in this psalm that we have read so many times. Verse 7 to 9. Okay, I'm going to read all of them together. To him who made great lights for his mercy and yours forever. The sun to rule by day for his mercy and yours forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night for his mercy and yours forever. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 1 verses 14 to 17 maybe. Yeah, 14 to 19. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide day from night. Let there be lights to divide day from night. Okay. So he, he also has made us into lights, okay? As stars differ in glory, so all the, so also will be the same. But okay, let's not talk about that now. And let them be for what? Signs and seasons and days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. You got that everybody? Now let's turn to 1st Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 1 onwards. But concerning, <laughs> everybody read that. The times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. You know perfectly for the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. And then verse 3, for when they say, 
peace and safety, then sudden destructions will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness. So this day should overtake you as a thief. And verse 5, you are sons of light and sons of day. You see the spiritual truth? What has he made also us as sons of light and as sons of day? We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Because what has he made? The light seasons and times. With every rotation of the earth around the sun, what is approaching? That day is approaching. That is what he calls Kronos. And then one day he will just come. And he says, that day should not overtake you as what? As a thief. You yourself will be prepared. You will know in your spirit. So what should we do? Verse 6. Verse 7. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day. First be what? Sober. Say everybody say sober. Sober means don't get drunk too much. Have all your senses in order. Gird up the loins of your mind it says in First Peter. Be sober minded. Be vigilant. Okay. But let us be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Our breastplate is what? Faith and love. And as a helmet, the hope of our salvation. Okay. Verse 8. Verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whatever we, uh, whether we, uh, we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Okay. So what did he do? He created science for seasons and for years. And every season passes by. 2020. It happened like a 2020 match, isn't it? Isn't it interesting? 2020 was like a 2020 match. It was not like a test match. Two hours may six months over. Over. Right? Ajay? I mean, how 2020 started with a bang? We finished 90 days yesterday. 90, oh no, sorry, on, on Monday. 90 days of preaching. In the history of GTC, we never, we never did that. Morning and evening. 90 days. I mean, it's phenomenal. For Pastor James, now it's good for me. Today is the 90, 90th day, by the way. 90 days. 90 days. How did it finish? Right? Like a vapor, no? And like one coffee vapor only. It's over. It's over. I, can't, I mean, it's unbelievable how fast things have happened in the last... Last uh, six or seven months. And what is happening? It's as if time is getting accelerated. You know what Jesus says in John's Gospel chapter 9? Verse 1, 2, 3 and 4. Look at what he says. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. <laughs> disciples have a very interesting question. And disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents, parents that he might, that he was born blind? And look at what he says. Jesus answered, neither this was, this man was, this, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is. While it is day. The night is coming when no one can walk. This is the time. 
Now I'm just getting scared. Things have happened so drastically. We have pioneered so many things in <laughs> in the last 90 days here in our pulpit. <laughs> Online Q and A. Never we had Q and A. Online Hindi, online Nepali, online Telugu. Unbelievable things have happened. People who never thought were prepared suddenly started doing certain, certain things which they thought that they, could, they were never aware of and hadn't had it in them. Why do you think uh, for us to relax? No, 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 no. I was thinking it in the think, think about it in the morning. My goodness, what is God doing? Is are things just? going so fast that we don't even have time now to even breathe that we were like I, I can tell you no I was I came into the full-time ministry for in in 2015-16 I was ordained yeah four years now since I've been ordained now I used to get chance to preach in one Wednesday or you know sometimes on Sunday because the first few years I was I was not put under too much, too much of pressure or stress it was given to me to study and spend time etc In the last three, six, three months, my God, is this accelerated? Do you think it's normal? It's a sign. That is coming. That we don't have time. Oh Lord, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Time like an ever rolling stream bears all its sons away. They are forgotten as a dream. They are forgotten as a dream. Things are happening so fast. It was as if uh, President Trump was just elected yesterday. November 2016. Four years just finished like that. And since he came into office, it's as if it's like a James Bond movie only. Action, 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 action. Cut, action, cut, action, cut, action. Things are happening very fast. And you know what Thessalonians is saying? Concerning signs and seasons, times and seasons, I don't want you to, the Kronos and the Kairos, I don't want you to be ignorant. For you yourself know that day is going to come like a thief in the night. But you are not are like those who are prepared that that day should overtake you as a thief. For when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come. Nitus, we, we have to work while it is day. I think now is the day before things will change. You should see the kind of, you know, what do you say, pressure Christian channels are put in, put on, on on YouTube now. So much of censorship. David Wood was banned from YouTube for seven days, if you don't know. The news. For seven days he was banned. He was banned from uh, uploading any stuff on the internet because he made a video on the, on the persecution of Christians. And it was deemed as hate speech. Censorship. Now, copyright claims. Fair use policy. Literally. It's out of the window. Because you know why? The enemy knows that it's his time is short. Are we ignorant? Is the question. And God is showing all of these to us. Why? Because his mercy endures forever. All these signs, 
things are going on on and on. that's just winding up time is winding up it's like it's like winding up like a scroll now let us be prepared let's put on the breastplate of faith and love two things what is a breastplate to guard our hearts okay so what should we guard we should guard our heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life that means what? Two things we have to hold close to our heart. One is faith and the other is love. Like pastor says, right? There is faith, hope and love. M- greatest is love and the close second is faith. Because what will be tested? Faith will be tested. The testing of your faith, which is much more precious than gold, even though it is perishable, is tested by fire, will prove To bring what? Glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So therefore that will be tested. Faith. So God, let's put on the breastplate of faith and love so that our heart is guarded against unbelief and against lovelessness. Against unbelief and against lovelessness. You know why? Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And and because iniquity or lawlessness will abound, the what of love of many will grow cold. So put on the breastplate. Um, look at the breastplate of uh, Goliath. What kind of a breastplate he had, boss? It's like a designer breastplate with scales on it, thick. It weighed five hundred shekels under, six hundred shekels or something, or thousand shekels. I don't know exactly the 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 weight. That is for a fleshly man. How much more you, your breastplate? How heavy is your breastplate? Is it, is it, is your heart foolproof? Is it absolutely guarded against lovelessness and unbelief? Is a question. Let us guard. And what is helmet? Helmet is a hope of salvation. Why? Thoughts. Helmet of salvation. The hope of salvation. Alright. Let's look at the next dimension. Now. Dimension number 8. Chapter 136 verse 10. To him who struck Egypt in his firstborn. <laughs> I like that. And for his mercy endures forever. He stops there. He doesn't even go beyond that. He says his mercy endures forever. How do we apply this? Uh, spiritual truth in our lives. First Peter chapter 1 verse 18 to 20. And First Corinthians chapter 5 verse 6 to 8. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But... With the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and spot. Now think, put, can you put uh, verses 18 and 19 together please? 18 and 19 together. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. You're redeemed. You're bought. That, why, why am I saying this? Uh, 5-7, 1 Corinthians 5-7 of, um, 
uh, of uh, yeah, First Corinthians five seven. That's enough. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. He smote the firstborn in Egypt, and of course, Christ is our Passover. So that's essentially the Passover, the Pascha, Fasa Parv. No, in in Hindi. Let's go back now to First uh, Peter chapter one, verse eighteen and nineteen together. I want us to look at that. Very important. Very very important. Knowing that we are not being redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from our aimless conduct received by tradition from our fathers, but by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish or without spot. That is essentially how the the, the, the Passover lamb was supposed to be. It has to be one year old, it has to be it has to be male, and it has to be without spot, and it has to be without blemish. Absolutely perfect. And that was a symbol of Christ, of course, right? And why did he do that? He wanted to, he wanted to redeem us from what? For an aimless or an empty way of life. You know, the KJV uses the word conversation. Okay. From empty way of life, from a vain way of life, from an aimless life. Received by tradition from our fathers. You know what? Whatever our fathers gave to us as a tradition. Is an empty and aimless way of life. And he redeemed us. You know people think that they have a name. But they don't. If your name is. If your aim is not Christ. Then you are aimless. Understand? Now that he has brought us out of darkness and into his light, what has he given us? He has given us a name. And what is that name? Christ is our name. So we looked at John's Gospel chapter 17 verse 1, 2 and 3 please. Read that please. John's Gospel chapter 17 verses 1, 2 and 3. Jesus spoke these words. Lift. Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, The hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. As you have given me authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that you may, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is our aim. Any any other thing apart from that is aimless. What we call, what we call is in, uh, call in, call in, in the biblical terms, missing the mark. Okay. Alright? It is what we call as missing the mark. Yeah? Um, if you've, uh, I think one of the most difficult sports is archery. Okay. Not even uh, shooting. I think shooting is still okay. But archery is one of the most difficult sport because I, 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 I really got interested in when I got saw a YouTube video. It was a very lot of, what do you say, uh, concentration. Okay. And, and, uh, and your dedication and you have to gauge the wind. You should gauge so many parameters to hit bullseye. And you have to do it in a spe- specific period of time. You just can't take it for take forever. You want to hit bullseye, you have to really, really you have to practice and practice and practice and practice and the correct 
correct degree and because ultimately it'll be a projectile, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it'll be a projectile. So you have to be very, very careful as to how much you, you have to gauge the wind pressure, you have to gauge the distance, you have to gauge the angle, everything. And it is so, so fine-tuned. Okay. That is the reason why I like it. Okay, it's maybe even shooting is that, that much, but I don't know. But uh, this is even more, even more skillful because you have a huge thing, archery. And to aim for Christ, do you think it's uh, easy? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26, 20, 26 onwards. Therefore, I run, not with uncertainty. I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it to subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Okay, so what do you, you know what is he saying? He's saying, you know what? I make it my aim. In fact, turn with me to First Corinthians, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five. There is a name. Chapter five, are we there? Verse six onwards. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And verse 8 and 9, yes. We are confident, yes, we are well pleased uh, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, look at this, we make it our aim, whether to be present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him, our aim. So he has redeemed us by the precious blood of the Lamb from an aimless conduct to a life which has a aim. And what is the aim? To be pleasing to Him. And in order to be pleasing to Him, if we do not walk by faith, it is impossible to please Him. And what does a soldier do? His ultimate objective is to please Him. And those who who live according to the flesh cannot please him. And what is our aim? To please him. Our ultimate aim is to please him. Why? Because we've been redeemed from our aimless conduct by the precious blood of, of, of by the blood of the Passover lamb, a, a lamb without spot or blemish. So, what should we do? Take away everything from our lives which misses, which causes us to miss, uh, uh, take us away from that aim. Turn with me to First Corinthians now, chapter five, verse six to eight. We'll come back to this again. First Corinthians chapter five, verse six to eight. Look at what it says: Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you be made a new lump, since you truly are unleavened, for indeed, look at this, for, because, because, why should you do this? Because Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So use, because his mercy endures forever, purge out every bit of sin from your life. Make it your aim to be well-pleasing to him. 
And then verse 8, verse 8, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So those guys were breaking the unleavened bread. What is that unleavened bread for us? It is the bread of sincerity and the bread of truth. Both are important. A lot of people are sincere, but they are not truthful. You are sincerely doing the wrong, the wrong thing. They are very sincere. So you should you should see some of the uh, fired up Muslim apologists. How how fired up they are to evangelize others. I mean, sometimes you know, really, you know, when a Muslim gets converted, that guy is on fire. The fire the, to to invite uh, other people to dawa. It's called dawa. Okay, D A W A H, inviting, and you should see the passion for the for the lie. <laughs> <laughs> but those guys who are willing to lay down their lives for a false god. Okay. Romans chapter 10, verse 1, 2 and 3. Romans chapter 10, verse 1, 2 and 3. My brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to Israel, to, to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, <laughs> but not according to knowledge. And what are they doing? For being, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeing to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. That's exactly what it is. Same thing, no, almost. It's the law. Okay. Aimless. But what we do, we break, we uh, break the unleavened bread of what? Sincerity and truth. Both are important. You can be sincerely wrong. It is not your sin. How sincere you, uh, you give a, I mean, you uh, give a talk. A lot of people, I mean, if you look at some of the arguments of atheists, they are very, very sincere. But sincerely wrong. But sincerity and truth. All right. So let's go back to uh, the next dimension. Now, dimension number nine, verse eleven of of uh, one thirty six Psalm. To whom the, uh, to him who struck Egypt in their first brawn for his mercy endures forever. He struck Egypt. We were supposed to be struck, but he struck his firstborn. Okay. Take now your son, your only son, your firstborn. And offer him as a burnt offering on the mountain which I'm going to show you. And you know what? That day he says, Abraham, Abraham, now I know that you fear me because you have not withheld your only son. But one day I'm going to provide for, for you a son who's going to take your place. And he's going to be the propitiation for all sin. Not for your sin, but the sin of the whole world. The propitiation for the sin of the whole world. You put your trust in him. You put your trust in him. Let's, let's look at one more verse before we go to the next verse. Romans chapter uh, 3, verses 25, 26 and 27. Romans chapter 3, verses 25, 26 and 27. Whom God set forth. Okay, actually, verse 24, 24 onwards. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Being justified how? Freely. Freely. 
by his grace how through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus he is the Passover lamb behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation to through his blood what is a propitiation what does propitiation mean the angel of death was was passing over Egypt and every house which had the blood of the Passover lamb what did the angel of death do it passed over that is the reason why it's called the Passover lamb so, whom God set forth as a propitiation through his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over. Do you see that? Passed over the sins that were previously committed. He passed over to demonstrate his love at the present time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Okay? He is the Passover lamb. So, just trust in him. Believe in him. Okay. Purge me with hyssop, he says. Who says? David. And I shall be whiter than snow. Purge me. Apply the blood of Jesus on the doorposts of our house. And what does it mean? I trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He has become the propitiation for my sin. He has what is satisfied the wrath of God. On the cross that Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Is a song, right? The wrath of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So if His mercy endures forever, what is your final, final, before we go to the next thing? I just want to uh, leave us with this thought. Go to John, John's Gospel, chapter 1. John's Gospel, chapter 1. And verse 30, oh, sorry, 29. And then verse 35 onwards. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then verse 35 onwards. Again the next day, John stood with the two disciples. And looking at Jesus, he walked. As he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And then what happens? Verse 37 and 38. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Okay. What do you do? You hear John the Baptist speak of the Passover lamb. What do you do? You left, you leave everything and you begin to follow Jesus. Alright. Let's go back to the uh, 136. Psalm 136 and verse 11. And brought out Israel from among them. <laughs> For his mercy endures forever. You know what? One of the things that God is continuously doing in our lives is to bring us out. Bringing us out constantly. He's getting us out of exodus. He's exodusing, if I can use the word. He's exodusing out, us out of this world. From this world system. Let me show you several verses to put this thing in context. Okay, turn to uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verse uh, 28, 29, and 30. Now it came to pass, about eight days after these sayings, that he took Peter, John, and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he, pr- uh, as he prayed, the appearance of his was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. Okay, now the word altered. Okay, it is not alter, it is altered. Okay, the word is, in Greek is metamorpho, changed. 
Okay, we'll come to we'll come to that. Okay, his appearance altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, what two men walked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, and they were discussing something very interesting. What were they discussing? Who appeared in glory and spoke of his? Can you put it put it in the NASB, please? Verse thirty-one. NASB, verse thirty-one. Yeah, who appearing in glory were speaking of his departure, <laughs> which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. You know what the word for departure is? Anybody? Exodus. Okay. He was appearing, I mean, he was preparing for his departure. So in Christ, what, if, what are we doing? We are also also departing from where? From this world system. Now turn to First Peter chapter three, verse eighteen. Okay, bring us out. Okay, brought out. Right, that's the word, key word. Let us look at this. For Christ also suffered how many times? Once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Okay, Colossians chapter one. Verse 12 to 14. Okay. Um, you can, you can, you can actually, uh, put it in the ESV or maybe in ASB. NASB is great. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us. You see that? Egypt is a domain of darkness. How many days? Three days thick darkness. He, is, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us. The other translation will use the word conveyed us as a conveyor belt. You know, conveyor belt, it takes us from one place to the other. You just have to stand on it. You don't have to do, unless of course you're in a hurry, you would run up, run up and down, but that's a different thing. So conveyed means you don't have to do anything. Literally, he conveyed us from darkness. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, verse 14, in whom we have propitiation, I think, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians, uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Colossians, Galatians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Grace to you hmm? and peace from the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who himself gave, uh, uh, himself, uh, who gave himself for our sins, that he might what? Deliver us. Bring us out from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, Jesus, uh, and, uh, for God and Father. To him be glory for and forever and ever. Amen. So what is this? What is the entire purpose of God is to bring us out for his mercy. So how, does, how is he bringing us out? Turn to Romans chapter 1, 12 verses 1 and 2. Very interesting. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies which are new every morning and which endure forever. So I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship, other translations will use. And then verse 2, and do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, and I will say, but be altered. Don't become alters, but be altered, transformed. Okay. 
<laughs> Apple's laughing, yes. She is so many, she saw so many Q&As with altars, okay. Don't be, be transformed. Be metamorphosized just like Jesus was transformed. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good, acceptable and the perfect will of God. And what is the will of God? That he has to rescue you from this present evil age. This age is evil. It's evil. That is what is, he tells the uh, the first message on the day of Pentecost is, with many words he exhorted them to save yourselves from this evil, perverse, untoward generation. Wicked generation. Who are getting less and less innocent and more and more smart even as the days go by. And they think they are very, very smart. Got that everybody? Okay, so do this according to the mercy. So what is God doing? In His mercies, which is, which is endure, which endures forever. What is He doing? He is bringing us out. He's bringing us out, bringing us out slowly. He's changing our mind, changing our mind. It's just not one day process, but He's constantly doing. And He's saying, you know, in order to experience this, offer your bodies. In the light of God's mercies, which are enduring forever and which are new every morning, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And it's not easy. Okay, to offer your bodies every day, week after week, to deliberately come under the teaching of the word of God and to allow your mind to think. I so sometimes I, I really, really feel this is, why is this important? Why is this important? You know, I look at, uh, the Islamic apologists, okay. I'm just giving you these examples just to, just to give you an example. You speak to them the truth today. They know it as a truth. They know it as a truth. I mean, you, Give them perfect airtight arguments. But they will say, the Bible is corrupted. Okay. And you refute that argument. Next day, you bring the same argument. But this is not true. You bring the same argument. This is not true. You know, when I look at that, it's like Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah repeats the same message. And I, I and I was I was looking at I, I want to do a count now. I mean I, this is something which I was um, I was thinking about. How many times Jeremiah repeated the same message? He never changed. You will go to captivity if you don't repent. No, it's not. It's not going to happen. Next day, you will go to captivity if you don't repent. No, it is not going to happen. What is the prophet saying? The prophets are saying, no, 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 nothing's gonna happen. You're God's people. How can God send you out of this promised land? He has promised it. It is a promise. Can God break his promise? And then Babylonian captivity happens. Now think about this. Babylonian captivity happens. You know what the false prophets say? Ah, only a few years. You'll, you'll, you'll come back to this land. Same message. What does Jeremiah say? No, captivity is for 70 years. Do they believe? They will not believe. You should see how many times the same message is repeated over and over and over and over and over again. They do not believe. They believe the false prophets. They will never believe the true prophet. You look at every prophet, go to Ezekiel. You you count the number of times some messages are repeated over and over again. 
and you see the number of times people have fallen flat on their faces and believed and obeyed the message. Now think about this, no? Think about this. No, this is, if you read the book of Jeremiah, it's like this, okay? The Babylonian captivity first happens and, uh, some, a vassal king is, 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 is installed in that fellow's place. Okay? And this fellow still rebels. And one day Nebuchadnezzar comes and destroys the whole place and he takes all these people's captive and he puts out his eyes and he kills all his, uh, people, I mean, his sons, etc. This, those fellows are in captivity. In captivity, fun fellow Ezekiel will, Ezekiel will say, Ezekiel will say, boss, captivity is for long. <laughs> they will still not believe the message. The guys who are left here, they will come to Jeremiah and say, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, should we stay here or should we go to Egypt? Please go and inquire of the Lord. Jeremiah says, okay, fine, I will inquire of the Lord. But let me tell you something. After I have inquired of the Lord, and in the message, whatever message I give you, if you don't believe that message, your blood is not on my hands. Words to that effect. He goes, inquires of the Lord, comes back, gives the message. You know what? Do they believe it? No, they don't believe it. They are bent upon their ways to go to Egypt. The same message being repeated over and over and over and over again, but people have not believed. What does it tell about the fallen man? How many times the message has to be repeated in order for us to really, really believe? Like pastor was saying, right? Ten times you counted. How many times? Actually, the ten is the number of times that he actually counted. The acts of unbelief of the children of Israel in the wilderness. But how many times he actually overlooked? The same message getting repeated over and over and over and over and over and over again. Are you same message? We want something new. Like the Athenians, they have no other work but to listen to something new. But the, but the fact of the matter is, the Bible has got one message. Get out! Out of this world. In this message, same message is going over and over again. But have you believed? Give, give us something new. God will not give you anything new unless and until you have believed and obeyed the things which have already known. Understand that. Okay? So the picture. What is it? Get out. Be transformed. Get out. Change your way of thinking. Get out of this world. This world system is not the place for you to be in. This is an evil, perverse, wicked generation. It is anti-God. They are not friends of God. And who's coming? Antichrist is coming. The world system. We've been warned, right? So let that not that let that day not overtake as a <laughs> so, be transformed. Start thinking literally outside the box. What is the box? World. Change your value system. Start thinking outside the box. Don't take anything lightly. My goodness, this is an extended lockdown. When did this happen, boss, in our life? 
like yesterday pastor pastor was making a very interesting statement in in normal days we have 10 day, 10 months of school and 2 months of vacation now it is totally ulta 10 months of vacation and 2 months of school literally things have turned upside down upside down okay it's like you know all these things have happened but israel is still not saved all these things have happened but israel is still not saved that's the point get out of this world colossians chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 in uh, in the niv please not teaching anything new but i'm just proving to you a point that every psalm every verse in the bible word in the bible is bent upon and and is zeroing zeroing in on one particular message get out egypt is not our place get out it says since you have been raised with christ set your hearts on what things above i show you a verse in micah just give me a minute before i Turn to Micah chapter 2. 2, 2, 2, 2, 2. Are you there? Verse from verses one, uh, verses seven onwards. Okay. Okay. Look at this. <laughs> you who are named the house of God, house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord restricted? Answer: No. Are these His doings? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? Lately my people have risen up against, risen up as an enemy. You pull off the robe with the garment from those who trust you as they pass by like men returned from war. The women of my people you cast out from their pleasant houses, from their children you have taken away my glory forever. Arise and depart, for this is not your rest, because it is defiled, it shall destroy. Yes, with utter destruction. And go on. If a man should walk in a false spirit, Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. If a man should walk in a false spirit and speak a lie saying, I will prophesy to you wine of wine and drink, even he would be the prattler of this people. Oh, this is NASB if I'm right. NKGB. Okay, put it put it in uh, maybe uh, NIV, some other translation. If a liar and a deceiver comes to you, <laughs> look at yeah, thank you. If a liar and a deceiver comes to you and says, I will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, he would be just the prophet for this people. That is what they believe in. And then go on. I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in the pasture. The place, uh, 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 the place will throng with people. And go on. One who breaks open the way will go before them. Okay. Uh, and chapter 3 and verse 1.
where he talks about a thought. I, I, I'm just not able to get that. Uh, he talks about thoughts and his actions and thoughts. Yeah, I'll get back to you on this, okay? We will, we will, uh, yeah. Then I said, listen, you, uh, yeah, exactly. Then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Jacob, of Israel, should you not know justice? You who hate good and love evil, who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, and then, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, the flesh for the pot, then they will cry out to the Lord, but they will not answer them. At the time, he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. And verse 5, this is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, if one feeds them, they proclaim peace. <laughs> if he does not, they prepare to wage war against him. If one feeds them, they proclaim peace. If he does not, they prepare to wage war against him. We will. T- I, I just wanted to talk about a thought. I, maybe I'm just missing that verse. I'll, I'll come back to that on that. Okay, let's go back to anyway. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. Come out in the NIV and then we will go to the next. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ. That means you have come out. Right? In Christ you have been raised. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated. And your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. Get out. Get out. Why? For his mercy endures forever. <laughs> okay. Get out. And then let's go back to uh, uh, the next dimension. Uh, chapter 136 and verses 13 and 14. says, to him who divided the Red Sea into two, for his mercy endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever. What does that mean? Turn to First Corinthians chapter 10, and you will understand what it means in the, in the New Covenant. For I do not want you, oh, 10 verses 1 and 2. For I, for brothers, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the Red Sea. And they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. What is it? A picture of our baptism. A picture that we are dead to our old life. That we are dead to our past. That we are dead to guilt, condemnation, shame. Whatever we were in our past is absolutely irrelevant now. Why? For any man who is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. To look at look at that. Second Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen. Look at that verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things, not one thing, all things have become new. So, how do we apply this to our life? Romans chapter 6 and verses 1 to 6, 1 to 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And you will say, how did we die to sin? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized?
baptized into his deaths. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. We are a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Through and by the virtue of our baptism, what what are we exhorted to walk in? We are exhorted to walk in the newness of life. And therefore, every day morning we are exhorted to say, Reckon yourself, what? Dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. 7, 4, Romans. 7, 4. 7, 4. Therefore, my brothers, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who has raised you from the, uh, who's been raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God now. And how? How do we bear fruit to God? Verse 5 and 6. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to that which we are held by, so that we should serve in the newness again. Newness of life, in the newness of the spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. For the letter kills, but the spirit brings life. Newness. New life. Okay. So how do we get this new life? Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation who are for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Okay. So this is the reality of our baptism, that we do not walk according to the flesh. We are not driven by, we, in fact, we put to death the deeds of the flesh by the spirit. Put to death the deeds of the spirit by the, uh, by, uh, deeds of the flesh by the spirit. And this is done because of the mercies of God again. Understand that? Finally, for the day, let's go back to Psalm 136. I wrote so many things, but we don't have to, we don't have the time to do it. We'll do it some of the time. Psalm 136 and verse 15. I think this is the most important. But overthrew, just verse 15, okay? Overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea for his Mercy endures forever. You know, when I was um, getting baptized, our mentor, you know what he said? First thing he said, Vijay, when you go into the waters of baptism, we are the people here in the church who are witnessing. And there is a host in the heavenly realm who is also in witnessing. You know what you should say? When you come out of the waters of baptism, tell Satan, Satan, I am dead. You have no control over me in my life. You know why? Because you are buried. You are dead there. Colossians chapter 2, please. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 15. 13 to 15. 13 to 15. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, nailed it to the cross, disarmed principalities and powers, and made a public spectacle triumphing over them. That's exactly what he did. He buried Pharaoh and his entire entourage in the Red Sea. And this follows whom you saw, you will see them no more. As long as you are 
hidden in Christ. So what do we do? One truth we understand. Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. Look at what it says. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he find first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his goods and plunder his house. You know what Pharaoh means? A large house. That's what Pharaoh means. <laughs> the word Pharaoh means large house. And what did you do? You binded that strong man and plundered all his goods. What are his goods? Souls. And that's exactly what it says. He took what? Captivity captive. And he gave gifts to men. All who are held captive by the power of death. He defeated death by death and triumphed over death. So that releasing those who were lifelong in fear of death. He triumphed over them. That's what it says in, if you turn with me to uh, Exodus chapter 14 and verse um, verse uh, 13 and 14. And, the, and Moses said to, be, said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. Say that everybody. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you. Only one thing. Stand still. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you will see no more forever. Underline that. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold. The Egyptians you have seen, you will not see again forever. Over. He's been disarmed. For his mercy <laughs> endures forever. And therefore, what do we do? You know what do we do? We resist that fellow. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about. You know the word walks about, peripatio, means he perimeterizes you. You're, as long as you're in, in Christ, no? He will look for chinks in your armor. Where is this fellow? Uh, somewhere, some weakness he will look. Be watchful and be sober. Don't ever leave your dwelling place. Lord, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. He who dwells in the secret place of El Elyon, yesterday we looked at that, will abide under the shadow of El Shaddai. And as long as you are there, you know what? You take a stand and you resist him. Resist him how? Steadfast in your faith. First of all, make yourself steadfast, strong, unmovable. Knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood in the whole world. Okay. But first thing, how do you resist him? Be strong in your faith. Don't be wavering. An unstable man will receive nothing or, or rather a double-minded man will receive nothing from the Lord. Be steadfast, unmovable in your faith. Resist him and he will flee, it says in James. Resist him and he will flee from you. Why? You have no hold over my life. It's over. You can throw the kitchen sink at me. <laughs> it's not going to affect me. I will come out triumphs. Yeah. 
They say, no, they, he threw the kitchen sink at him. That's exactly what he did. He threw the kitchen sink at, at David, at Jesus. And the ruler of this world came to me and he found nothing. And the Satan left him for an opportune time, it says, for a season. Looking for an opportune time. And he looked for opportunities, left, right and center, even through his closest disciples. Let this not be for you, Lord. Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. You are you are an affront to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but you are mindful of the things of men. Way of the cross. And none could take him away from the way of the cross. And his face was like a flint towards Jerusalem. And that is how he disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. And therefore, no weapon formed against us will prosper. And every lying tongue that is raised, that is going to raise against us in judgment, we shall condemn. For this is our heritage as a servants of the Lord. For our vindication comes from Him and Him alone. Amen. For His mercy endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you and praise you for this day that you blessed us with. You're an awesome God. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your kindness. Lord, this morning time, once again, we come to you, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would touch us. Father, the word that we heard so many truths over and over again, I pray, Lord, that it will become a part of us and will exhort us to get out of this perverse generation and walk in that straight and narrow path. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Amen.